So, today is the day recording a morning podcast. It's raining. We switched clocks. Oh, it feels like it's later. So, it feels like it should be on the sofa. <laughs> we did that yesterday. But going into the gym, switching around some routines to see if I can get more out of the evenings. So I'm also doing less running during winters. Switch to a strength workout. So it'll be interesting to see if I get different ideas from that. But for now, I've been thinking about the task at hand is basically for this month uh, with my PhD too. Uh, basically, now that I've got my data, I've got the categories analyzed within themselves. Now it's about putting them back together. So after the analysis comes the synthesis. Um, there are many ways you can do that. And recently I've had a, a moment in realizing that those ways need to be explored before a decision is made and all of that needs to be documented, especially in a qualitative setting so that people can one day replicate things, right? There is this idea that you cannot replicate qualitative studies and that's to an extent true because of the changing nature of the phenomenon that we study qualitatively tends to be why we take qualitative paradigms. But the approaches could be there as a record for others that are going to learn from it, especially if they're doing you know, practical studies, not ones that are trying to um, a strictly academic medical really want to answer questions. So I, I'm using approaches lately from design thinking for when I realize there's a choice to be made in the research design rather than just pretending these are not decisions to be made and it's helped me reflect on the scientific methods as forms of decision making under uncertainty where you have a cookbook but as soon as you start putting the recipe together you realize there are so many variables that it does provide opportunity for creativity and I'm going to take it as a positive but obviously it could be a negative you don't want that creativity to be dialed up to the max and especially in some of the harder sciences you actually don't want that right and because you're not studying dynamic things and we do need some studies that are not exploratory um, but it, I got inspired by this study that was shared by a friend that looked at, I think it was over 70 different teams of researchers being given the same task to do basically a quantitative study on a very well-known hypothesis. So kind of the, it's a known territory, so it's not exploratory, it's not the situation that I'm in, but basically it showed that the variation in the approaches was so high and it wasn't 
give you give chance, but also it wasn't. Uh, basically, it was just subjective decisions. So, if that means objectivity is a is a value that we hold, but it's not a, a a natural phenomenon that exists out there outside of us, then there's still things we can do, right? We can aim for at least intersubjectivity by sharing data or getting other researchers to analyze our data, recording things, you know, in my PhD I'm trying to not only have all of my minerals available together with the analysis and the final thing, but also this podcast where some of the shapings of ideas are clear, some of the side notes and some of the thought experiments that come up but are not related to the they also there. What I'm now facing is how to create a narrative structure that is true to the data but makes the PhD readable. So there is the core themes are actually given priority and also there is a thread that can be followed. And then there's the argument that it shouldn't be just boring. Right? As long as I'm true to my data, I can be engaging in the way that I write. And that's something that I really struggle with as uh, yeah, methods kind of sometimes are suppressing creativity. But I think there is a way you can be true to your data and present your argument so it can be taken on board. This end of the day, what we're trying to do is give ideas that give other people ideas in science. I think being thinking about helping other researchers in the future should probably be at the back of our minds. It's a very kind of romantic, poetic hmm. approach to business. So what have I been doing? So um, I've been exploring narrative structures. I started with one that's the most forcing of a narrative, that forces the narrative the most. Um, and then another one that does that the least, I think, from what I can gather. And they've got, I've got others that are gonna be explored. So the first one was, I just basically take the hero's journey not familiar with the hero's journey it's basically the work of joseph campbell who looked at many myths stories that we tell each other and found that there is a common cyclical pattern of storytelling or the, the monomyth or the hero with a thousand faces and so a lot of our stories and movies today also follow that it tends to follow a structure of um, there is a hero called to, to adventure. Initially, there is a few trials and tests. Then there is a crisis where evil might beat over good, but the hero has tested and also knows how to act and overcome evil. And then after that, after the win, returns back home wiser to tell the story to others 
about how they can overcome that. So I reflected on this. Headphones fell off. It's a storm right here. So, yeah, I was like on this for a while, and I think where it comes from is basically life. You get born, you go to school, you've got people teaching you stuff, and you know, they're probably back from their own skills journey, so they're telling you how you have to learn from their experience, whether you listen or not is a different thing. And then you go to onto your adventure, play your dragons, etc. etc. So that narrative in the context of my PhD, it could fit in because I noticed that what I've been asking people was to tell me their life stories through the places that they live in. Right. The focus is on the key decision points and actually over the interviews we could have created some of the data together, right? So the way that I piloted and then um, changed the questions, they do follow kind of a life philosophy trajectory and asking people to talk about place actually gets them to open up about their personal philosophy without getting too deep or feeling anxious because for some reason when people philosophize it becomes a bit overwhelming to the brain and it could make some people feel anxious that are not used to Philosophizing. Uh, it's also why some others get addicted to that feeling and end up doing just mental gymnastics and exploring every possibility as if it's possible because, well, there's a hype that you get from this But my kind of themes in the research from being kind of born in a place and feeling a belonging to it. And then getting a sense of uh, a sense of confidence from that, you know, being from somewhere, and then from that developing a, an aura of confidence about yourself, and then finding other places where you can get a similar feeling from. It's not exactly the same as where you're from, but when you move, you can adapt wherever you put in if you get multiple reps of changing where you live and you can learn how to find a sense of community which is the key thing that you need and then um, facing those challenges kind of how the, the learning through experience could fit that narrative but it's probably overfitting so i've explored that and I've what I explicitly mapped out on a board. And then I've explored another one where I've used the core theme of, I think, how I started this. You know, I've been looking back through five years worth of, of uh, draft that I've written to look at the objectives uh, that I hadn't written because obviously they were shaped uh, by this process. And I noticed, uh, yeah, rationality, you know, do we make choices rationally is a kind of a core question. It's in the context of where to live. So, using that as a filter, 
on each of the things. So, could, in what sense could place identity be seen, seen as rational or irrational? In what sense could being attached to new places could be seen as rational or irrational? So, the things that then you can talk about is, you know, dealing with uncertainty. It's rational to feel a belonging when you have to get uncertainty. It's rational to want to be surrounded by people that make you so comfortable that you don't need to be always on, think, and just go intuitively. Or as one participant put it, switch off your head so, and, and chill <laughs> when you're feeling at home. And then when it comes to personal priorities as a theme, you know, they're constantly shifting, but then over, you know, over time they become a lot more about others rather than self. How could that be seen as rational? You know, to care for others. Well, is rationality? Is it rational to transcend yourself? It makes you feel good. So it's rationality is linked to well-being uh, of the self and others. Then when you look at the different rules of thumb and emotional uh, aspects, then the theme of how intuition as a form of recognizing when you should move. So I had people talk about like they know their surroundings, they become very aware of their surroundings when they know that. And they get an intuition that something is right. So, how is rationality related to an intuition that you have a sense of you know the right direction? How's that feel? You know, the themes of you know there being an emotional experience at the at any decision, any impression. There's always an emotional component. And then rationality beginning to learning from mistakes when your intuitions don't turn out and most of the time and realize that was not good and then later you realize it takes time for ideas to gestate. Well, that's the kind of thing that participants talked about. So that one uh, definitely works more and I've been thinking that as I go through the process and explore a few more it will be not just an exploration of options but a cumulative process. So just starting with one already is a part of the theorizing. Mm -hmm. But the last thoughts I've had today is uh, I'm getting inspired about making it engaging and kind of getting pulling the, the, the argument through all the text and a way that that gets done really well is in it's actually in music I mean you know singing a chorus is the thing that pops into your head years later so if I use my core feeling of rationality uh, an emotion also intuition this is the these are the labels that I need <laughs> and uh, Walking on the street has become a chore these days. 
That's where since the pandemic just feels like we need indicators. But again, I'm not the one to judge on how they're part of it. I'm walking and talking. Anyway. I was trying to finish up. Oh yeah, so having a chorus. So bringing things back to the chorus in your emotion intuition. And again, I, these are words that are from the literature. And then I've got in my analysis uh, already which things are within the literature that I've got, which ones I need to look for more literature and which ones I think there is on literature yet. Right? Let's go through the contribution. And then I'll bring these. So this is what's familiar. This is what might be on the edge. This is what might be new. So that kind of structure in the next one I'll be exploring. <laughs>